0: Chapter Five, Part One of the Boy Scout Aviators by George Durston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kangaroo. On the Trail, Part One. Harry had reached Colonel Throckmorton without difficulty, and before delivering Major French's message, he explained his suspicions regarding the driver what's that eh what's that asked the colonel spy this country's suffering from an epidemic of spy fever that's what still a taxicab driver eh perhaps he's one of the many who's tried to overcharge me i'll put him in the guardhouse anyway i'll find out if you're right later young man as a matter of fact and as Harry surmissed, Colonel Throckmorton felt that it was not a time to take chances. He was almost sure that Harry was letting his imagination run away with him. But it would be safer to arrest a man by mistake than to let him go, if there was a chance that he was guilty. So he gave the order and then turned to question Harry. The scout first gave Major French's message and Colonel Throckmorton immediately dispatched an orderly after giving him certain whispered instructions. Now tell me just why you suspect your driver. Explain exactly what happened, he said. He turned to a stenographer. Take notes of this, Johnson, he directed. Here he told his story simply and well. When he quoted the officer's remarks to the cab driver, with a German inversion, the colonel chuckled. "'You have your way lost, eh?' he said with a smile. "'You're right. He was no Englishman. Go on.' When he had finished, the colonel brought down his fist on his desk with a great blow. "'You've done very well, Fleming. That's your name?' "'Very well, indeed,' he said heartily. "'We know London is covered with spies.' but we flattered ourselves that it didn't matter very much what they found, since there was no way that we could see for them to get their news to their headquarters in Germany. But now, he frowned thoughtfully, they might be able to set up a chain of signaling stations. The thing to do would be to follow them, eh? Do you think you could do that? You might use a motorcycle, know how to ride one? "'Yes, sir,' said Harry. "'Live with your parents, do you? Would they let you go? "'I don't think it would be very dangerous, and you would excite less suspicion than a man. "'See if they will let you turn yourself over to me for a few days. "'Pick out another scout to go with you if you like. "'Perhaps two of you would be better than one. "'Report to me in the morning.' I'll write a note to your scoutmaster, Mr. Warden. Isn't it tr- right? As they made their way homeward, thoroughly worked up by the excitement of their adventure, Harry wondered whether his father would let him undertake the service Colonel Throckmorton had suggested. After all, he was not English, and he felt that his father might not want him to do it, although Mr. Fleming, he knew, sympathized strongly with the English in the war. He said nothing to Dick, preferring to wait until he was sure that he could go ahead with his plans. But when he reached his house he found that things had changed considerably in his absence. Both his parents seemed worried. His father seemed especially troubled. "'Harry,' he said, "'the war has hit us already. I'm called home by cable, and at the same time there is word that your Aunt Mary is seriously ill. Your mother wants to be with her. I find that, by a stroke of luck, I can get quarters for your mother and myself on tomorrow's steamer. But there's no room for you. Do you think you could get along all right if you were left here? I'll arrange supplies for the house. Mrs. Grimshaw can keep house, and you will have what money you need. Of course I can get along, said Harry stoutly. I suppose the steamers are fearfully crowded. Only about half of them are now in service, said Mr. Fleming. And the rush of Americans who have been traveling abroad is simply tremendous. Well, if you can manage it, it will relieve us greatly. I think we'll be back in less than a month keep out of mischief, and write it to us as often as you can hear of a steamer that is sailing. If anything happens to you, Cable, I'll arrange with Mr. Bruce at the embassy to help you if you need him, but that ought not be necessary. Harry was genuinely sorry for his mother's distress at leaving him, but he was also relieved in a way, he felt now that he would not be forbidden to do his part with the scouts. He would be able to undertake what promised to be the greatest adventure that had ever come his way. He had no fear of being left alone, for his training as a Boy Scout had made him too self reliant for that. Mr. and Mrs. Fleming started for Liverpool that night. Train service throughout the country was so disorganized by the military use of the railways, that journeys that in normal peaceful times required only two or three hours were likely to consume a full day. So he went into the city of London with them, and saw them off at Euston, which was full of distressed American refugees. The Flemings found that many friends there, of whose very presence in London they were ignorant and Mr. Fleming, who, thanks to his business connections in London, was plentifully supplied with cash, was able to relieve the distress of some of them. Many had escaped from France, Germany, and Austria, with the only clothes they wore, having lost all their luggage. Many more though possessed of letters of credit or travellers' checks for considerable sums, didn't have enough money to buy a sandwich, since the banks were all closed, and no one would cash their checks. So here he had another glimpse of the effects of war, seeing how it affected a great many people, who not only had nothing to do with fighting, but were citizens of a neutral nation, He was beginning to understand very thoroughly by this time that war was not what he had always dreamed. It meant more than fighting, more than glory. But after all, now that war had come, it was no time to think of such things. He had undertaken, if he could get permission, to do a very important piece of work. And now, by a happy accident, as he regarded it, It wasn't necessary for him to ask that permission. He was not forbidden to do any particular thing. His father had simply warned him to be careful. So when he went home, he whistled outside of Dick Mercer's window, woke him up, and when Dick came down into the garden, explained to him what Colonel Throckmorton wanted him to do. He said I could pick out someone to go with me, Dick, Harry explained. And of course, I'd rather have you than anyone I can think of. Will you come along? Will I, said Dick. What do you think you'll do, Harry? We may get special orders, of course, but I think the first thing will be to find out just where the signals from that house are being received. They must be answered, you know. So we ought to find the next station. Then from that, We can work on to the next. Where do you suppose those signals go to? That's what we've got to find out, Dick. But I should think, in the long run, to some place on the east coast. Perhaps they've got some way there of signaling to ships at sea. Anyhow, that's what's got to be discovered. Did you see graves tonight? No, said Dick, his lips tightening. I didn't, but I heard about him all right. How? What do you mean? I heard that he'd been doing a lot of talking about you. He said it wasn't fair to have taken you and given you the honor of doing something when there were English boys who were just as capable of doing it as you. Oh, said Harry with a laugh, much I care what he says. Much I care either, echoed Dick, but Harry, he has made some of the other chaps feel that way too. They all like you, and they don't like him, but they do seem to think some of them should have been chosen. Well, it's not my fault, said Harry cheerfully. I certainly wasn't going to refuse, and it isn't as if I asked Mr. Warden to pick me out. No? And I fancy there aren't many of them who would have done as well as you did today, either. Oh, yes, they would. That wasn't anything. We'd better get to bed now. I think we ought to report just as early as we can in the morning. If we get away by seven o'clock, it won't be a bit too early. All right, I'll be ready. Good night, Harry. Good night, Dick. End of chapter 5, part 1. Recording by Kangaroo.